Recently, there was um, a patient just being like, I think I've lost my connection. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. I've lost my connection. And the staff member who prayed with him, I know, is not a Christian. And she's like, "Um, he'll find you. He'll find you. And she's praying with him. And she stops praying and he's like calms down and he walks away. And I said, who do you pray to? Because I know like you're not a really a, someone who believes in God. And she said, oh, I don't, I don't pray. I just close my eyes until he calms down. And then she said, but it would be a lot easier, Sam, if God just spoke to him. <laughs> wow, yeah. You know, why isn't he speaking to him? I said, I don't know. But to have those conversations because they know I'm Christian, they know that... I'm very open about my faith. This is the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. Stories of faith, love, life, loss and eternity. Hi, this is episode number 43 of Sparrows and Wildflowers. And in this episode, you'll be hearing a super fun and quite profound conversation with fellow podcaster, Samantha Freestone. But before we get into that, I'd love to give a shout out to Olivia Rahornsey, who created the incredible new artwork for this podcast. She's obviously very talented and you can find her on Instagram at Olivia Grace, that's spelled at O-L-I-V-I-A-G-R-C-E. In today's episode, we'll be hearing about Samantha's journey from coastal Western Australia to Sydney, her career through acting, working in NGOs and in mental health. Sam also shares about her podcasting and faith journeys and gives some really hilarious, candid and at times really profound insights. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here's my interview with Samantha Freestone. I was born in Perth, Western Australia. Um, I'm one of four kids in my family. So there's my oldest sister, then there's my brother, and he was born totally blind. And so genetic counselling told my parents not to have any more children um, because the likelihood of having another child with a disability. I think I might be making this up, mum, but um, blind, it would be like if you had another boy, the likelihood of them being blind would be higher, I think. This is what I've gleaned over the, how many years I'm, (laughs) I just had a birthday, so I'm not going to reveal too much. (laughs) Um, But my mum is a determined woman and um, she grew up in a house of just two kids and she always just wanted a big family. My dad had a big family and she used to love going over there for dinners and she just loved the noise and the chaos and the um, excitement of it all. So against doctor's orders, they fell pregnant with me. Wow. And then I was born five years later. So um, they had to wait as well because my brother, he was, he didn't walk till he was like four and a half maybe I might be making this up he he wasn't diagnosed until he was 18 months old as officially as blind. yeah as right. being blind um and my parents were really young when they had um him and so it just caused a lot of um I imagine a lot of stress and a lot of um strain on not only just being parents but their relationship and stuff and then to then willingly like now I'm a parent and I would have just stopped like I would have just been like I can't the capacity my capacity is not there to be able to like have more children um but my mum was really determined Mm. and so I was born and my dad he jokes he's like I cried the day you were born and I haven't stopped crying like thanks dad oh. so, <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, um, yeah and then three years later my sister was born mm-hmm. um, so they you know God's hand was obviously clearly I mean he's always his hand is always on your situation but um, it was just very obvious that he was you know gracious to them at this time mm. because that's a huge risk I mean I think about that now as a parent there's no way like I would just be like cool we're done two kids that's great mm-hmm. you know but and but having said that if she hadn't then I wouldn't be here today so there are pluses and minuses from it but yeah so I grew up in Perth and then um my um dad uh, was a police officer and so he was transferred to Geraldton so although I lived in Perth for about 11 years um, my teenage 
formative years, I guess, were in Geraldton. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, I love that town. And my husband always says, I talk about it as if I just left (laughs) because I loved it so much and it was just so, yeah, it was just really great. I had really good um, mentors at the time and just a lot of great friends. And this is pre-internet too. So Mm. I don't even know what it would be like to live as a a teenager now because – it's crazy with social yeah. media and stuff like that. Like if we wanted to know about like our favorite bands, we went and read magazines. Yeah. You know, like if I wanted to know what Hanson was doing or <laughs> <laughs> the Spice Girls, you know, like like we would, you know, you get your, your VHS out um, during the school holidays and watch the latest like chick flicks and stuff. But generally we were outside, we were exploring, we were like going to the beach all the time. There was a lot of freedom um, and, and I think that was – it was really um, exciting and I really – like I'm still great friends with some of those people that I went to high school with. Wow. And I think sometimes when you leave high school, when you leave high school, you're like, mm, we're, we were only friends because we were at high school together. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like it was just a fact that we had to go to school together. Okay. That we were friends. Mm, but that wasn't but always still the case. Friends. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you mentioned there about like God having his hand on your family. Do you have an early or first memory of religion? Like was spirituality part of your world, Christianity? <clears throat> My family went to a Christian reformed church, um, primarily uh, had a lot of Dutch people in it yes Um, I call it Dutch reformed my family don't like that they say it's Christian reformed Um, but um, I had an idea about God um, but it wasn't until we moved to Geraldton and ended up going sort of like to a Pentecostal well we didn't go to a church that was necessarily Pentecostal but the school there were a lot of Pentecostal kids in that school so Mm. it was just and they talked about the Holy Spirit and I was like say who like (laughs) I just didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit I had no idea okay and it wasn't that that necessarily wasn't preached or that I can remember because I was a child you know you don't always remember that sort of stuff yeah but the things that come with um the Holy Spirit like in my head at that time when I was little, it was like speaking in tongues. So that's like when people just start speaking in like different languages that don't make any sense or um, people would like fall down to the ground and you'd be like, are they okay? No, it's like God's spirit on them. And so those images were a little bit frightening to me, mm. but I'm so grateful now because now I'm like a pastor's wife at an Anglican church. So I've gone like, I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church. Then I like had a lot of experience with Pentecostal um, churches, um, moved to Sydney when I was a bit older. And just the experience of different types of church, I was so grateful that I've had, like I can be somewhat of a chameleon, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in each each setting. And, and I see value in so many ways that churches do things now yeah. instead of being like, oh, you guys are so conservative, where it's like, well, no, they perhaps value like the scripture, they like this like um, a reverence, this kind of awe. But then I think but sometimes it can be too legalistic, whereas people want to be able to be freer mm. in how they worship God. And I think it's uh, it's a good thing to keep exploring that and how God can relate to so many people in so many different organizations. No, what's denominations? That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I watch like older people, like my grandma, she can like really feel God in a hymn, like an old school hymn where the organ is like off key and she's <laughs> just like, ah, oh. yeah. you know? And so mm-hmm. I think it's, um, it's important to, to have sort of like an open-ish mind um, to allow for the thought that people can experience God Mm. in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about him too so much because he is so personal. Mm. Like there's not one formula. No, he's not like, hey, let's all humans, you must love me this way and blah, blah, blah. Like he's fairly clear on how he wants us to love but – in the ways that we can express that love, there's no it, – it's, it's open because we are all so different. You know, yeah. some people are very musical, so they can express God through worship, and, and some people are really creative, and so they can express in that way. But then there are some people who 
are very um they're like science and they find like awe and wonder in god's creation and there's Mm. just so many different um, ways so yeah but for me now i don't know like it's funny because i'm at an anglican church like i said but i'm very like i have moments where i'll like yee-haw in a song or like (laughs) cry out because i'm just like i'm so convicted by what we're singing i can't keep silent yeah it's good and it's embraced Mm. i mean yeah so as this like young girl growing up in perth and then growing up in a a coastal town yeah yeah yeah. what was your kind of perspective of the future did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up i did i wanted to be a famous actress okay actually and that's why i moved to sydney because i studied drama was that like i want to get out of small town but you liked it i guess i did like it but i think as well at the same time i needed to explore although i was sad to leave i was really excited and the moment i stepped off the plane I was like, oh, this is home. Really? Yeah. Okay. This is like, this is where I, this is where I belong. It was like, there was a lot of creative people that I was Mm. meeting, um, just a lot more opportunities to just see shows or Mm. um, had the resources. Now, remember, I grew up in the country town, so like bands didn't really come like mm. when they did it was like a big a deal like yeah. you know and to be able to be like I can go to the opera house tonight and just watch something like I can mm. just show up and be like mm, what do I feel like watching tonight you know that's the littler shows obviously there's some that you can't always see but like that accessibility was just amazing and how old were you I was 18 I was mm. such a baby <laughs> I think about it now and I think perhaps I was too young but I wouldn't have had any way. Like I'm quite strong-willed and determined, so it was going to happen regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was going to be this famous actress, you know, and and I even like did extra work on Home and Away. Like I was like, you know, I was in the school uniforms at Home and Away. Like, what is it, Summer Bay High? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, is I, it? I'll be honest. I haven't really watched it, but I think ever. So. No, I never got into it <laughs> what do you mean yeah. I just assumed that people who lived in Sydney watched Home and Away ah. it's a rite of passage come on now I think most people do but uh, it's not you're really my genre you're a neighbours no, girl no <laughs> no neighbours no Home and Away Heartbreak you know I the primary school I went to when I moved to Sydney was where they filmed that so I got into it for a little bit okay yeah, Heartbreak High all right. <laughs> Listen, I, I it was a big deal. And for my yeah. country town, like yeah. the fact that I was an extra on this, they were like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Chris Hemsworth before he was Thor. Oh, yeah. And Isabel Lucas. Now, all these names probably mean nothing to people, but like at the time it was like huge. I remember watching Kate Ritchie. Yeah. And like she cried on cue and I was like, oh, my gosh, this girl is amazing and underrated. And so, so, like, was it the, like, love of the craft of acting or was it the idea of fame or that whole world? Like, what got you into it? I think it's the effect it had on people that I really enjoyed. And I love storytelling. Yeah. Like, I love it. Um, I can't help but be animated. Like, even just when we're having, like, a story around the table, like, I'll start talking and my husband's like, having heart palpitations because he's like so into the story he's like could you just tell it a little less dramatic (laughs) um but I liked having that effect on people um and I think it was definitely an outlet for me um Mm. definitely but when I came over to Sydney and studied it I hated it you hated like I hate I was acting. like I just could not get out of there fast enough like I wanted to quit after the middle of second year like okay. I was like I'm done but I'd already done two years and I had one more year and so people kept saying you've only got one more year you know just just stick it out you know mm-hmm. um and I was just like I hate this because it was something that was an outlet for me suddenly I was being judged mm-hmm. critiqued compared um and I just was struggling with how am I going to do this as a Christian and I would struggle with if your character sins on stage is that seen as sin in God's eyes 
Interesting. And I just didn't know. I just didn't, I hadn't come up with a conclusive, conclusive, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I hadn't come up with a decent enough reason for me to do either. And I just thought, I, I, don't, I don't know how I can do this. And I felt like it wasn't until I was about 19 that um, I think I also discovered God fully. Like, I think I grew up in a Christian household and I understood things about God, but it wasn't until I was 19 that I kind of, um, I met my husband and my best friend and, and another guy, and we used to meet up together, the four of us. And the one guy that was leading it, he was really passionate about the Bible. And that was really attractive to me, not necessarily him attracted to me, just I want to make that very clear. Um, <laughs> But that idea, like he was just so, he wasn't like a nerd or he wasn't unrelatable. He was just, mm. he was able to bring out the scriptures in a way that was just so attractive to me. And I, um, and also I was drinking quite a bit at that time. I think that um, alcohol was a really good way of me to like lower my inhibitions. Not that I really need that because <laughs> I'm fairly confident, but I was just like, whoa, I just love the feeling of being drunk. And so I think it was one time that I was, um, and I was student president at the time of a Christian college, like this was no good. And I, um, I was dragged out of a hotel pub with like my friends and I was smashed. And I was like, I woke up the next day with the worst hangover and I just thought, what are you doing? You say you're a Christian, uh, you say you love God, you have the filthiest mouth, you are like drinking till you pass out. People have to take responsibility for you. When are you going to take this seriously? You know, and, um, and I just remember praying to God, God, um, I want to stop drinking, but you're going to have to help me because I am such an addictive personality. I just didn't, I didn't know how I was gonna do that. And, um, and I haven't like since, so. Wow. Um, and it's not to say that I'm like, ooh, I don't like need it because, oh my gosh, the temptation is there all the time. Like I would love to have a glass of wine, but then that would turn into one, two, three, four. I just love the feeling of being drunk. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you feel like, sure, I'm not going to reveal anything. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you if I was drunk ever. Um, but it's true. Like, I don't know. And maybe it's an escapism, you know? Like sometimes it's um, it can mask things and not to go too deep, but I'm pretty sure that, yeah, maybe I was masking a few things as well. So it was that point that I just was like, I need to take God seriously. And so then that changed my direction in terms of drama and all of that, because mm. I was just like, I don't know. It's too much of a slippery slope for me. Before we move further into that, like mm -hmm. I'm just interested, was it like a, just a light bulb moment or was it like a slow kind of? Oh no. I I think when I woke up the next day wearing underwear that I don't recognize and um, <laughs> my friends had showered me, like, mm. oh, my gosh. Okay. Like so who, just hit you that who, That was just, like, they're great friends and I will always be thankful to them, but no one should have to do that. And I was just like, who are Because I knew that there were also other people who were at my college who were there that night. And I was just like, I'm gonna to have to face them all tomorrow. So maybe my motivation was like fear of reputation, perhaps as well. But I was just like, you cannot live like this anymore. This is not, this is not cool. So yeah, I decided like to take God seriously. I also had a librette at the time, which is like a piercing just above your chin mm -hmm. in my angsty stage. And I just remember um, going, I. The reason why I had it was to sort of give like a middle finger to, I don't know, whoever. <laughs> and so I was just like, I don't need to be this person anymore. I don't need to be this angry okay. as well. And yeah, and I need I need God and, and he is more important to me than anything else. So I think that's perhaps it was gradual, but it was like wake up the next day and I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Like yeah. this is this is surreal. So. Yeah. Wow. So I know, right? You look at me, you look at this face and you think, <laughs> this is such an innocent face. She would never have done anything. Although I haven't done drugs. I'll be very clear with that one. It's funny when I interview people sometimes and they'll have had done drugs in the past and they're like, 
I didn't think I would confess that. <laughs> you draw it out. And I'm like, but that's okay because that's your journey. Like yeah, there's totally. nothing to be ashamed of it. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, do I wish I had done half the things I'd done? No, but then, but I wouldn't be who I am now. Sure. Okay. With the wisdom that I know now. Yeah. What did that change look like for you? My prayer life certainly changed. Um, I used to get up at six in the morning just to pray. Now, granted, I was listening. I was um, living in a house with five girls in a three-bedroom flat. Mm. Oh my gosh! What um, part of Sydney were in you Dremoyne. in? Okay. Yeah, um, and um, but you know you had to do it because you were a student, mm. um, and you know you <laughs> the girls all showered in the mornings, fools because I had all the hot water at night. Um, But (laughs) there was no space is what I'm saying. Um, And so in order for me to get my own space, I had to get up at six and sit in the kitchen because by seven, everyone was getting up and starting their day. Mm. And and so it was a real discipline for me to get up at six and and do that. But I found that that was a really good thing to do. And exploring the scriptures that I hadn't done before I hadn't even seen before and um so yeah that was that was really um it was a really good time um and just learning that it's good to have some disciplines mm-hmm. in your life yeah um when it comes to growing in your faith with God mm-hmm. I think that that's important it's like any relationship if you don't put the work in if you don't have discipline to see the person or whatever or invest in them or get to know them that relationship is going to die and I often think why hasn't God broken up with me because I'm like (laughs) I'm like hey I'm associated with you but I don't always talk about you and I won't learn more about you and you know and it's just like you can't do that yeah sure and thankfully he hasn't broken up and what about like the other relationships in your world because I find it interesting sometimes when I interview people, they talk about their relationship with God either starting or improving, mm. and that doesn't necessarily have a positive impact on your other relationships. You know, people don't know how to handle changes yeah. in your behavior or, or you not, you know, going places you used to go or doing things with well, them. Yeah, that do. was definitely um, a big thing. And my family, like, they, um, have a thing during the holidays during the summer they have um what we call beer o'clock so it's this like you have a beer you have a bit of chips and stuff like that because it's pretty much summer is old barbecues and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. but when I came home that year they had stocked up alcohol for me to drink during my beer Mm o'clock and I said I don't drink anymore and they were like what and they were like but it's antisocial. <laughs> sure. And um and I was just like I just don't drink anymore. And and I felt really strong in my conviction and I didn't do that and my sisters had to drink all that. I think it was always <sighs> like not vodka cruises but it's um you know Smirnoff Black was my drink of choice cuz it was twice the limit. Right. On a drink and so you would feel the buzz a little bit quicker. But um those those moments where it was it's like no I I don't anymore or there have been times even now when my friends are like drinking and having dinner and they're all getting a little bit tipsy and a little bit funny like they're just a bit jollier and I've gone you guys suck (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but having said that I'm able to have plenty of fun and conversation without it so yeah yeah and it's not much of a, a challenge for me now as it was when I was younger because mm-hmm. that was the scene. Yeah. You were young. Sure. Let's go out and get a drink. Let's go and whatever. Whereas now I'm a mom of two kids. Like maybe my friends will talk about having a glass of wine at the end of the night, but no one's going out. Okay. Not like getting smashed. <laughs> so it's different <laughs> yeah. in that sense. You're listening to Sparrows and Wildflowers, episode 43, with Samantha Freestone. You can also listen to other episodes in this series on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud, like my conversation with coffee entrepreneur, co-founder of Salvage and Artificer Specialty Coffee, Dan Yi. I may explain like the concept of grace that you, you know, I'd heard of, but it was mainly what you say before a meal. <laughs> yeah. You know, as opposed to a concept. I guess my question, my big question was, okay, if I can make my own way to heaven, 
why did Jesus die on the cross? Mm. Yeah, what's the point of that? Yeah, to take away my sins, but I'm already going to heaven because I'm good enough or I you know, have said that I am good enough or whatever. Yeah, and it's so much more than that. I think when he explained grace and that there will, and he said basically the opposite of what I thought, you know, there is nothing you can do to get to heaven. You can't be good enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be perfect. And that's what is being asked of you in a way. I guess it put relevance to who Jesus was, being perfect, being the son of God, and that being the only um, thing that was, you know, sufficient for um, absolving those sins. And that's what grace was. It was a free gift. You know, it was nothing I can do, nothing I need to do. But, um, you know, everything that I then did um, was in response to that, as opposed to, you know, ticking a box to be a good person and getting to heaven. That was an excerpt from my interview with Dan Yee in episode 20. And now back to this conversation with Samantha Freestone. And then in terms of your career, so you pursued acting, you didn't like it. Mm -hmm. What did you do? So then um, I, my husband and I got married at the end of my college degree. I was 21, he was 20. Wow. We were babies. Um, but he was still going to be at college and I needed to get a job, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I remember, um, after we got married, I was on like the fun thing called, um, new start with Centrelink. And so they force you to like apply for jobs constantly. Yeah. Have you done new start before? Uh, I think I did. Yeah. Post college. Yeah. 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 Mm Yeah. It's degrading. But yeah. so necessary in terms of keeping accountable, et cetera, you know, yeah. so that people actually getting jobs. Sure. And I remember contacting my friend and just being like, oh, I just, I don't want to do acting, um, but I just love, I love speaking. I love communicating to people. And she said, you should try for a job at World Vision. They were actually advertising because she was looking for jobs as well. We both finished at the same time. It's called a youth relationship rep. Okay. I was like, oh. So I applied for it. And uh, they said, sorry, you didn't get the job, but we were so impressed with your interview. We want you to come in and do like um, a telemarketer gig. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm not doing that. That's terrible. And they said, whatever school you get to sign up to the 40-hour famine, you can go and speak at that school. Okay. And I went, all right. All right. So my job was to recruit a whole bunch of new schools to do the 40-hour famine. And and I changed the role and um, I was able to go and speak at so many different places. And, and it was really, really exciting and something that I was really quite passionate about as well, social justice. And um, But there was no guarantee that my role was going to change. And I really didn't love calling up, you know, just people would be like, who are you? What? Cold calling. Oh, it's the worst. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. However, I did win a Starbucks gift voucher um, competition once because um, it was like, why do you deserve this? You know how like Starbucks does those promos. And I was like, my line was, I'm a telemarketer. Need I say more? And I won it. <laughs> and I won it. And I so had it was coffee. Worth it. I was worth it. Back when I liked my um, white chocolate mocha, which, by the way, you go back to the coffee that you liked when you were like a teenager or whatever, mm. and you're like, "What was I? <laughs> the sugar, disgustingness." Um, so yeah, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, and and I was still at this job, and Nick was still studying, so um, I decided to. Um, I just started sort of looking around and asking God what I was supposed to do. And then one day he gets a call from Wesley Mission. Now, they are they were associated with the college that I used to go to, Wesley right. Institute, and they um, had a conference happening that morning with an organisation called Open Doors. And the person that was supposed to lead worship had pulled out. So can you please go and lead worship? So Nick and I go and we lead worship and I'm sitting there and I'm like listening to all their things that they're doing and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I have to work for these people. Okay. So I emailed them and I said, you know, this is who I am. This and is where who I are work. they? Open Doors is an organization that support um, persecuted Christians around the world. Um, and so I emailed them and I said, this is who I am and um, – and they they hired me. <laughs> That's they great. hired me. There was no role at all, but they hired me. Um, and so I worked there for three years. Um, I've gotten uh, got to know 
um, amazing people, still friends with a lot of them. Um, Mike Gore and I are really great mates. He's now the CEO, uh, which is really cool because he actually took over my role originally and then made his way up, which was going to happen because he's brilliant. Um, But um, I, I spoke, oh my goodness, I spoke at conferences and schools and high schools and universities and I spoke to so many different uh, at so many different forums and it was great but I was having a baby and I was thinking I think I think I'm done mm. and how old were you at this point 25 okay <laughs> so yeah we had um, our first kid and I decided to take the well we decided I should say that we decided um, <laughs> you know how people say that they're like I decided and it's like I say it like automatically but every decision we make with our family obviously with my husband and myself um yeah so we decided to take for me to take the year off which was a huge thing because Mm. my husband he had just finished college um he was working part-time at our church as a student minister so Mm. barely any days a week and teaching guitar yeah and and i He's working part-time. I'm taking the year off to look after our son. So were you taking this year off because you wanted to dedicate that time to being a new parent or were you kind of burnt out from working in the NGO sector? Oh, no, no, no. I I loved it. And, you know, I if Open Doors came back and said, hey, we'd love you to work here again, I definitely would go in a heartbeat. I just, I loved them. I just didn't know what I was doing as a parent okay as a <laughs> and, parent right. yeah and I was just thought why put um so much stress on myself let's take a year and then we'll see how you go so um I did that and it was was so good I was very anxious as well with our first child sure um I didn't have postnatal depression but I felt like I was holding my breath for the first six months and then when he turned six months we baked our half birthday cake and mm. high-fived each other we kept him alive and <laughs> and then when he turned one we were like oh my goodness we actually can maybe do this this is really exciting um so I did so I did that and I and I sort of um from there um my church could see the things that I was doing with like kids ministry and so they had offered me to work there part-time okay so I did that so that was good because both Nick and I were both working part-time for the church but it was bad in the sense that at one point we were working with each other and that wasn't good for us Mm -hmm. because there was no nine to five with the job it kind of like would be like oh don't forget you got to send this oh don't and it was just there was no we don't talk about this at home kind of it just sort of overflowed and I think it put a bit of um strain I I, maybe not for him I'm just speaking for me that I was just like oh we can't really work together so um after my second child was born I worked a little bit more for the church and then um I finished up doing that Mm-hmm. Um, see, Nick was working part-time as well, but he was teaching guitar. He's very talented, but teaching is not one of his passions. Mm-hmm. And um, and I knew that he didn't enjoy it and it was causing a lot of stress. So I said to him, if I can find another job, um, then you don't have to teach guitar anymore. Wow. And he said, yes, that is fine, as long as it's a job that you like. Because there's no point you doing a job that you hate. Mm-hmm. for longer days if I can get the work done in half the time because they get paid quite well as music teachers. Right. But it's just like very like high concentrated times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I found myself in mental health. Wow, okay. <laughs> I like apply for a job and I ended up being a temp relief officer for um, child and youth mental health. And um, it meant that I covered eight different offices around the northern Sydney region. Doing what exactly? Just um, doing admin, whatever the admin needed done. I was doing that. So I was on like an inpatient unit in Hornsby Hospital, um, at Royal North Shore, like I was all these different places, headspace. And it opened my world up to mental health Mm. because I had no idea. Like I thought I did, but I didn't. And especially when it was with children. Mm. Like there were some times where I would come home and I would just hug my kids 
you know, I always joke with Nick, I'm like, we're saving up for their therapy because <laughs> inevitably, you know, your parents can't always get it right, you know, and there are going to be parts that they've done that you maybe have hangups. And I'm sure that my kids will have things that I've done where they'll be like, mom, but, um, but these kids, like some of these kids that are just mentally so unwell, you know, and the bullying and all of that. And it just opened my world to Oh, just so many different things that I was just like, wow, I was really excited to be in that because I feel like as a pastor's wife and and in ministry, sometimes you can, and this is not always, but you can get into a real bubble, a Christian bubble Mm -hmm. um, where you just see Christian people. You know, my minister often, he challenges us. He's like, invite your non-Christian friends and you really have to take stock. Who are my non-Christian friends? Because generally I'm surrounded by people who are, somewhat like-minded to me and I don't I was like oh shivers so to be in another world where it was just so different to the church Mm. um and you know I was very open and honest and I always am with people you know they say what do you do what does your husband do oh he's a pastor wait you're a pastor's wife and I'm always like yes because I don't know how to respond to that because sometimes I'm like, oh, gosh, what have I done? Like, have I not represented God well? <laughs> or they didn't think I was a Christian. But sure. they say, you're just not what we thought a pastor's wife would be. You're okay. actually relatable and you're not telling me I'm going to hell. I was like, who? I mean, <laughs> when has that ever worked? Like, I don't know. I just don't think that's the way, you know, God wants us to be. And I feel like this is where He's the front line he's put me on. Um, and now, I mean, I'm not still a temp relief officer. Now I work in a ward with um, males, 18 and older, who are too violent to live in society. So it's a full-on ward. Yeah, uh, There's wow. 20 patients um, and I'm a ward clerk there and I love it. Okay. It's like sometimes it's like being in a prison, like just it's really can be very confronting. Mm. Um, but I love it. I really do. <laughs> yeah. And how long have you been there? Um, so nearly a year. Okay. So and what are you doing? What does day-to-day look like in that role? So day-to-day is just um, supporting the nurse unit manager um, and whatever. I mean, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, this is probably a good thing, but there's a lot of like um, audits that need to be done and making sure that people follow code of conduct and procedures and rostering and blah, blah, blah. But also um, just making sure that medical records are done correctly, <laughs> mm. you know, um, and just supporting the staff in any way that they need. And sometimes um, I find like I'll make my work, my workstation is a bit um, flexible in terms of where I actually set up day to day. But um, sometimes I find that I'm just sitting with work colleagues as I'm mm. doing my work but then having conversations with them and the big thing that I noticed in with the mental patients is a lot of them not all but they desperately want God to speak to them you know and sometimes that can be considered like a delusion or whatever but um and and recently there was um a patient just being like I think I've lost my connection and please pray for me please pray for me I've lost my connection and the staff member who prayed with him I know is not a Christian and she's like um, he'll find you, he'll find you. And she's praying with him. And she stops praying and he's like calms down and he walks away. And I said, who do you pray to? Because I know like I, I, I know that you're not a really a, someone who believes in God. And she said, oh, I don't, I don't pray. I just close my eyes until he calms down. You okay, know? yeah. And, and then she said, but it would be a lot easier, Sam, if God just spoke to him. <laughs> wow, yeah. You know, why isn't he speaking to him? I said, I don't know, you know, and, but to have those conversations because they know I'm Christian, they know that I'm very open about my faith. You know, Mm. there's been people that said, you know, oh, I went to Hillsong when I was a teenager and I say, oh, I didn't stick. You know, Mm. like I'm realistic in that, like, it's not jokey jokey, but it's also like, I'm not going to judge you. Like, let's talk about why you stopped going to Hillsong. What is it about it? Or, you know, like why why you know i went to a christian school when i was growing up but i don't want to be a part okay well what was that why why was it that it wasn't for you mm-hmm. you know and and opening those conversations uh which is really good um and 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 i think that working there keeps me grounded mm. um so that's good 
But wow. yeah, but I like you have a podcast as well. Yeah. Um, which you're going to be on. Yeah. <laughs> you say with anticipation. <laughs> so I was thinking about that actually as you were speaking. You're speaking about these open conversations and sometimes having answers, sometimes not. Mm. And that's kind of the part of the premise of yeah. what you do with your podcast. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah. So um, I. how long has this podcast been going for? Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Um, Like, I'm just so excited to be on this podcast. I think it's really important to support other Christian podcasts as well, Mm, you know. Totally. Um, And I was very excited to find another Christian podcaster who was doing, not exactly, we don't do exactly the same thing, but it's still the idea of conversation and it's Mm. not sermon-based, which I think is nice. Um, But I loved podcasts. Um, They were my saving grace for when I had children because you are at home Mm. often without adult conversation. So I started with Talkback Radio, 702, what? And um, <laughs> listened to that quite a lot. Um, and, it found, and it was ways that I could still have conversations with people that wasn't talking about what I found in my child's nappy. You know, like yeah. I was still, I, I really wanted to maintain that. That was a huge thing for me that I am still who I am just because I have kids doesn't change. I, I can still have a conversation with you. That's and great. I, and I made sure that I wasn't like, if you know what he did, I found like, and you know, I understand people, if that is all your world, you are going to want to talk about your babies, but that's not who I am and I don't want to be like that. Um, I know that the internet will probably criticize me for that, but um, so I love Talkback Radio. And then I started getting into podcasts and I was like, oh, finally, that was like, it was like an adult talking to me during the day or I would get to like listen into someone else's conversation. Mm. And it's the art of storytelling, mm. which I really loved. So I think um, in, it's either... 2000 and it must be 2013 and I was sitting down with my church so I was still working with my church part-time and our church does a thing where they they require the um, staff to take a prayer day so you get paid to take a prayer day but it's a time to disconnect and just really soak in the word pray to God keep asking him to direct you and stuff and so that's what I was doing and in that time I just thought I'm going to start a podcast that's what I'm going to do yeah and so having no knowledge of what that entails I told my husband I was like I'm going to start a podcast and he was like okay cool he's just like so he started researching ways that I could do that and because I had told several people that I was going to start a podcast I had to start a podcast yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know I said I was going to do it by October and I was like why October I don't know I think that's no I don't know no, there's no reason. Um, and so I did. I did it. And I did the first episode with, with my bestie in, in um, the US. And it just, the response from that was just amazing. And, um, and so I've been doing it since. And I released two episodes per month, which is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I do not make a scrap of money mm. doing this. In fact, I probably lose money um, doing it. But, you know, even this morning, somebody from South Africa contacted me, just thanking me for the podcast. So good. Um, And to me... At one, when I started it off, I thought, you know, I'm going to try and promote it and I'm going to, I want it, I want this to be my job, my full time job. So I don't have to do part time jobs anymore and I just do this. And, Every time I would get closer to things or opportunities, it was like the door would just close. Mm. Like every time, like mm-hmm. so close to like radio opportunities and stuff. Like, and the door was a close, close, close. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, I'm good at this. <laughs> I like this. Like, this is, this is fun. And, and I, I think you've made me to do this. Why am I not big and famous? And he said, what is your motivation behind it? Is it so people say, well done, Samantha Freestone, she's amazing. She's like the best. I wish I could be like her. Or is it, oh, I found Jesus. Mm. Oh, this changed my, oh my gosh. I thought I was alone when I thought that. Oh, there's someone else who thinks like that. Like, what is your motivation, Samantha Freestone? 
And I realized I was coming from a really bad place. And so when I surrendered to that and went, you know what? I just like telling stories. It doesn't matter. If one person becomes a Christian through this, cool. If I never make a job like a dollar or a million dollars, fine, cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no one stopping me. I make these. I, I get to meet the most amazing people. I They give me their stories, which is like like remarkable like they're valuable their time and they and I managed to get a lot of people's um, stories like they become very honest and the amount of people who have been encouraged by them is so great mm. but that is not and it cannot be my motivation for why I do it um, I've finally reached 100 because I said um, I have to do 100 I don't know why I do this to myself. I'm like, you have to do this and then you can do this. So I stuck with it. And um, and to be honest, like to be really honest, I thought maybe this was my last year. Okay, really? Like I was like, oh, I don't know, God. Like I just, I don't know if I have it in me anymore. Like it's really hard. And as a fellow podcaster, like trying to get interviews, trying to get times, people knocking you back, people sure. saying, who are you? What? <laughs> <laughs> no um you know or my faith is private which has been a huge thing and Mm -hmm. um and and that's well maybe that's a good thing that they didn't go on for my podcast because I want like public faith and public stories and uh yeah but um God was like you're not done yet so Mm. it's been a really uh roller coaster of a journey but I'm loving it. Great. I'm loving it. I've met, I mean, the most incredible people and um, and it's fun. But I didn't know about your podcast until we inter- we both have overlapped some interviews, which mm. I think is great because I think we both come from different perspectives. Mm. Um, and I met, we interviewed Helen Kim. Yeah, we did. Yep. And she was just like, oh, this is not my first podcast. And I said, what? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, this girl named Rachel, she interviewed me, blah, blah, blah. I said, I, I have to meet her. And so I tracked you down. Yeah, you did. <laughs> like a crazy stalker person. But I was just like, no, I think it's important for us to meet each other, to mm. know each other, to support each other because – the industry can be so cutthroat and it's not just Christian, it can be non-Christian. It's like everyone can, it has a feeling of like you you are going to go out there and promote my thing and, and my thing has to be um, my main priority. But I felt that I can't go down that road because I get too competitive, mm-hmm. I get jealous, I get FOMO. Do you get that? <laughs> like do you look at things and you go, oh, I wish I had. Sure, Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not just in the industry, entertainment business. I think any profession that you do as well, there's always a bit of com- competition, competitiveness. You know, you're always course, kind of going, yeah. why are they succeeding? And I'm doing the same thing. Like, yeah. But I think for me, once I challenged my outlook and my perspective, it's like, and, and, and I think it's healthy to keep reevaluating. And I do it every month or so. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. What is your purpose behind this? Mm-hmm. Because I don't just do the podcast. I, I also write um, reflections on, on why the heck, because I ask everyone at the end of my um, podcast, why the heck they believe in Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and so a lot of people, um, they want to know why the heck I believe in Jesus. And so mm. the idea was writing was to, honestly, I was struggling to read my Bible. Okay. And yeah. I thought, Let's do a discipline of writing. And that has been really healthy for me mm. to look at God's word, to see God in the ordinary every day because I am a very ordinary person. I'm not glitz glamour. I am like so chilled. It's like, well, my husband probably say I wasn't so chilled. <laughs> but in the sense that like I'm not like a high demanding, like I must have the best of the best or whatever. I just... Yeah, I'm just – I am more <sighs> relaxed about stuff and I feel like with social media you can look at people's things and you're seeing their highlight reels and you're comparing your behind the scenes and you think, oh, I'm failing at life. Sure, yeah. And I want people to see my behind the scenes, mm-hmm. not That's my brave. highlight. Mm-hmm. 
because I am a very flawed person. I'm a very, like, I get angry quickly. I say the wrong things. I stress. I worry. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sinful. But by the grace of God, um, he reveals himself to me in the moments where I've really royally stuffed up. And he's like, whoa, 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 you know. And that discipline of looking for him in the ordinary is a really good thing to do. That's really interesting you say because I was wondering as you're talking and I wonder this often with guests, like when you say God, um, you know, told you this or told you that, like what does that like look yeah, like? Yeah, the thing is like God doesn't give me an audible hello, hello, and he doesn't sound like Morgan Freeman, which is upsetting <laughs> to me because It'd be nice. he does. <laughs> well, doesn't he in Bruce Almighty? He sounds yeah. Like, it is Morgan Freeman. It is. God doesn't speak. He's only spoken to me once, and that was to tell me that I was going to marry my husband. Really? Um, yeah, which I, of course, did not share. I was mm. going to be that crazy person. God told me to marry you. I've had the God <laughs> told me to break line. up with you line. That's Ooh. awful. And I'm like, God didn't tell me anything. Ouch. Um, uh, but it's image. It's like I'll be mulling over something, and then it's like it's something comes into my head, okay. like a story or um, – a thought or like I'll be reflecting, I'll be taking sort of stock of why I'm feeling like this. Yeah. And what, what have you, have you eaten? Mm. You know, have you had a sleep? Have mm -hmm. you had a coffee? You know, and I just take stock. And then as I'm in that moment and some people may maybe call it meditation, you know, where you stop and you just take stock and you just, whew, let's just take a chill. Yeah. It's those moments that all these thoughts come into my head of what potentially God's telling me. And then I go to scriptures mm -hmm. to make sure that I can back myself up. Okay, yeah. Because I think that's really important because I want my theology to be as closely matched up to the Bible. Like mm. um, it's, I could say a whole bunch of ideas, but unless it's matched up to God's word. Sure. It's just then my own ideas and mm and thoughts and has there been for you like a particular bible verse or even character or a story that has been particularly resonant or significant over your life so far um be still okay and know that i am god which mm -hmm. is um i don't know 46 10 i don't know but that idea of just be still be chill wow i was like be cool mm -hmm. <laughs> calm down you are not god <laughs> and I've just even recently I feel like I've felt like I had this savior complex like only I can fix this only I can make it better and it's like well no you're not God mm. calm your farm like he will use you sure but in the end he is God mm -hmm. and he's in charge in control. yeah it's really good I'm interested to hear your perspective as well, like working in mental health mm. and having worked in the church and Christian-based NGOs and done your own journey. Like, how do you reflect on the idea of hearing from God? Because you obviously see people who are having delusions and who are unwell. Mm. And, and as I understand it, frequently those are religious-based. Mm. Um, how do you... I mean, you mentioned some practical ways just there, you know, have I had sleep, have I had my coffee? Mm. But how do you discern whether you're hearing God or whether it's something else. Yeah, I don't know. And this is the thing that I'm still really grappling with because I think, well, maybe these people in the ward are actually hearing from God, you know, or not. But for me personally, how do I know that it's God? Um, I back it up with the, the scriptures um, or I try and back it up with the scriptures. But um, sometimes it's not until hindsight right yeah so it's like all of a sudden i'll get in my head somebody's name and then i think i should call them hmm. or text them and then i do and they say how do you know right so you get that result is and i'm like positive i didn't know anything what's going on you know yeah or god will just say put something on my head like well i'm assuming it's god um you know um, I don't know if it's if it, generally it's the calling people or this person or you need to be praying for this person or mm. um, you know being woken up in the night time mm. and being like that person's name is on my head and I'm like I'm 
like I love sleep so to be woken up in the night I'm like what and it's like okay I'm just gonna pray for that person right now because I don't know and then they say well how did you know they so had something going on exactly yeah, there was like right. a spiritual attack or uh, maybe not a spiritual attack but just they felt lonely or they felt the darkness creep, crawling creeping coming over them sure um but a lot of the times it's hindsight uh yeah. for me i don't hear a direct um a voice and i'm still grappling with the whole mental health and hearing voices and stuff because i think you know and when i'm at the ward and they're like grown men crying i think i've lost god and i say god can you just speak to them like mm. please this would make everything easier sure and i don't know mm. and i think that's okay like the i feel like there's this fear that you've got to know everything about god and and everything mm. has to there has to be like we have to tie up loose ends and it's yeah. done and hit, hit, and but it's yeah. not always like that with god how like how do you reconcile that like having seen everything you've seen in the mental health sector also obviously dealing with persecuted christians like there's a lot of heavy stuff going Mm -hmm. on around the world and with other groups as well being persecuted and then even you spoke about your brother being blind and difficulties in your own life like how do you personally reconcile some of that stuff with the idea of a loving god who does want a personal relationship yeah um this is why i love also doing my podcast because i will ask people these questions yeah. and get their ideas but like yeah. the latest interview that i did with um is a lady called adriel booker and she had had several mi- miscarriages sure and i was just like were you giving god the middle finger and she just said this world is not is broken it's not healed yet yeah and it will be healed when jesus comes mm-hmm. and i don't know why and i've heard that like tons of times but i was just like yes this yeah. world is broken let's just just sit on that for a second and i don't know what god is doing but if i can learn anything in the bible is that he's works his timing is not my timing yeah and i have to just tell myself truths in those moments like god this sucks i don't know what's going on but this much i know you know you are good you are loving you are able um i guess when um there are situations where like it's a tragedy or I don't know the answers. Um, It doesn't stop me from having a faith in God. If anything, my faith in God gets me through those tragedies. Mm -hmm. And I am grateful for that because he he is the only one that can give me a peace that surpasses all understanding. And something that I'm learning is God doesn't make mistakes. It's not like he's like, whoops, drop the ball on this earth thing and humans and mankind. Like he doesn't make mistakes. And I'm just a little human who has a little idea of who God is. And he fully knows how this is all working out. And I um, I have to hold on to that. Otherwise I'll lose my, my mind. (laughs) I'll end up in the ward myself. but um, another thing that I try and do is I actively choose to be joyful. I actively mm. choose to get delighted in small things. Mm, Free coffee, okay. fist pump, you know, clean bed sheets, amazing. Um, a home-cooked meal, amazing. Like I think that we, we can miss these beautiful things that are in front of us that God is just saying, I love you. Wow. I've given you friends who are going to pull you up. I've given you this coffee. Take this coffee. Drink this. You need this. Like, I hey, look at that beautiful autumn leaf. You know, like it's coming down. Those colors are amazing. I love you. I love you. And we don't always see it in the ordinary. And that is the discipline that I try and have where I just go, what's he trying to tell me? Mm. What, how is he trying to talk to me today? 
and it's not audible, but it's through like someone letting me in in the traffic. And I do like jazz hands <laughs> to thank them, you know, thank you. And he's like, I love you. Wow. Because even in the darkest times, and I'm not saying like, let me be very clear. My life, although I'm fairly jolly and upbeat, I'm in a very hard season of my life right now. Okay. And it's not easy. There's some really, and ministry is not easy, you know. Not, it is just not, anytime there are people involved, it is not easy. <laughs> sure, yeah. However, if my faith depended on how good everything was, mm. oh, goodness, I would not have a faith. Totally, yeah. It has to be good even in the bad. And what I'm learning is that uncomfortable or sucky isn't always wrong wrong right yeah you know that sometimes you got to sit in the muck yeah it's not forever and if it is well for me i believe that when i go and meet god in heaven hey i'll be made new but it's not this is not it for me this home on earth i believe is not it for me mm. Um, this is temporary. I'm not a citizen of this earth. <laughs> I'm a citizen of heaven, I believe. And it's a daily like reminder that, you know, my faith can't be dependent on how good I'm doing, how well I'm doing, hashtag winning at life. Um, it's, it, it can't be that. Otherwise, it is shallow and it is going to die. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky. Yeah. And how would you kind of sum up, how would you describe what's really at the core of what you believe? I, oof, I believe that God of the Bible, I want to be clear with that. You know how like acceptance speeches, I say, I want to thank God. And you're like, which God? <laughs> sure. You yeah. know, when people say, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, who are you praying to? <laughs> but I believe that God of the Bible um, had sent his son to repair uh, what was broken when um, when man sinned back back in the back in the Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and there was a separation and Jesus came on this earth he lived as a man so that we could get God back so we could have that easy access so that we don't have to live a life that is um, full of fear and sorrow and pain but that we can find a joy in christ and what he's done for us i'm a butthead i don't know i'm assuming you are one too <laughs> like, sure, yeah. <laughs> you know the fact that i i can maybe maybe my husband would die for me i would like to say he would but really like who's gonna die you know like someone sees you like god saw you and he was like you are enough I love you so much and I don't love that, that we're separated by sin so I'm going to send my son to die so that you don't have to carry that burden anymore and I'm going to get you back because I love you and I just think oh god but I'm such a butthead and you love me so much and I don't need to fear you know um there's this old song that I love to sing to myself when I'm very anxious. And it says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, that life is worth living just because he lives. And I just go, yes. <sighs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cry. <laughs> Fine. I get, I get myself all worked up. Nice, yeah. great, really beautiful. And then just to finish on, what why the heck do I believe in Jesus? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to steal your question. <laughs> uh, you're going to be, I'm going to ask you that uh, yeah. when you come. Yeah. So what does the future look like for Samantha? What are you hoping for? I'm hoping that I remain teachable. Mm, wow. That's pretty much it. Because if I am not teachable, good gracious. How am I to learn? How am I to evolve as a person? I hope that I remain teachable, that I can listen to God's rebuke through his word, through very brave people <laughs> who may give it to me, um, through my own children, you know, um, that I just remain teachable, malleable, and as, mm, 
as painful it is, is as it is to to learn and be rebuked and to be challenged, I think it's so necessary for growth. Mm. Yeah. You know, an egg needs to be broken to be used. Otherwise, it's just a round thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I got to be a bit broken in order for him to use me. Yeah. Samantha's podcast is called Some Answers and you can listen in on Apple Podcasts or find it at someanswers.net. You can also read her writing on the Some Answers Facebook page and Instagram account. The Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast is hosted and produced by Rachel Hogan. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, send an email to hello at rachelahogan.com. 